0: as I said yesterday, the bloom is certainly coming off the rose for Governor Benito Cuomo Il Duce, head chief executive of the state of New York, which is quickly going down the sewer. Uh, The attorney general's report, Letitia James, his own attorney general, is now saying that uh, Governor Cuomo is not exactly the managerial genius that everyone made him out to be. Maybe he'll have to give back his Emmy Award, as we now learn that COVID-19 deaths in nursing homes in the state of New York were underreported by as much as 50%. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury, and welcome to another National Preview Online podcast. If you have not already done so, please subscribe to the show. You can do it either in the iTunes App Store or the Google Play Store, depending on which device you use. Use your native podcast aggregator app. Simply search for the NPO Podcast. If you'd rather not do that, you can simply download the Podbean app, which is free in either place, and subscribe to NPO Podcast that way. Either way, you'll be notified as soon as a new show goes up and you'll be able to leave comments and reviews. And we encourage you to please give us a review so that the show can be more readily found when people search for it in either of those three places. We'd like to expand the show. We'd like to increase the quality of the show by putting in a call-in line so we can do interviews with guests, and you can help us do that. If you go to our website, nationalpreviewonline.com, there is a GoFundMe page there. And you can make a donation. And now please, we are not looking for big donations. We are not looking for people to give us five hundred, a hundred, or even fifty dollars, or even twenty-five dollars. We're looking for modest five and ten-dollar donations. We're not looking to make a living off of your donations. All we're doing with that money is expanding our current advertising budget on the internet, which has helped us to grow the show so far. And we'd like to increase that growth rate to the point where we will attract the attention of advertisers, and then we'll be self-sustaining, and we won't need any assistance from anyone. Okay, so as I said, the bloom is coming off the rose for Governor Cuomo, but before I get to that, I wish to cover one little topic which we covered yesterday. Now, a piece of information came to my attention yesterday which ostensibly purported to identify the shooter of Ashley Babbitt. Now, if you recall... Uh, I told you that most people would forget that name within uh, a week or two weeks' time, and that's probably been done, but they would still remember George Floyd, that reprobate from Minnesota. Ashley Babbitt was the 14-year Air Force veteran who was murdered, and I make no apologies about that statement. I'll stand by that, who was murdered in the Capitol by the Capitol Police. Now, the information that I received was that it identified the shooter as one David Bailey? Now, David Bailey happens to be the Capitol police officer, a special agent, who was assigned to protect Steve Scalise that day at the softball game when he was gunned down. Now, supposedly, if not for Steve Scalise's presence there, since he's the only one who was entitled to Capitol police protection, being a party leader in the House. Um, a lot of people would have been killed. It was through the actions of his detail um, that Steve Scalise and the others survived. Now, I don't purport to know the exact details of everything. I know he was decorated by the president in the aftermath of that, President Trump. But there's a site that seems to suggest that he is the one who's responsible for her death. Now, I think it's disgraceful uh, that the that the government hasn't been more forthcoming in identifying. It was a a separate site that is being accused of being a right-wing site that said they did their own investigation and identified him. I can tell you here in my hometown of New York City, if a New York City police officer shot someone especially if they killed someone, you'd know that cop's name within an hour and you'd know everything about him, where he lived, what his disciplinary record was, they'd give him up in a heartbeat. The fact that they're keeping this secret as if he's some sort of high-level security operative counter-terrorist agent is ridiculous. Now, I was given the benefit, as many of you were, of seeing a video. So I stand behind what I said. There was no justification for that shot being fired at that woman. You can see very clearly that that woman was on the other side of a door. She doesn't appear to be armed. Nothing after the shooting, in terms of a search of her person, revealed any weapon to be present. And you can see she's immediately surrounded by at least four or five uniformed police officers in riot gear and protective gear, vests, what have you, who come to render her aid. This person who shot was a man who was in plain clothes. You can see his arm extend out. That means that when this man shot, as I've said before, he shot into a crowd of police officers. Trespassing, even on the Capitol, does not warrant death. I'm sorry. That's an unjustifiable homicide. He put other people at an unjustifiable risk. At very least, you have a criminally negligent homicide. You have reckless endangerment and maybe more. So I don't make this man out to be a hero if it should turn out to be David Bailey. However, we were given information that it was David Bailey, uh, a website called Truth or Fiction, which is supposed to be a nonpartisan website which evaluates information, has said that they believe that is erroneous. And so we are going to withhold judgment on David Bailey in terms of uh, whether or not he was the one responsible. So we're going to retract our original reporting on that. However, we make no apology or no retraction of our judgment that that shooting was not justified and did not reflect good judgment on the part of the officer who ultimately is determined to have fired that fateful shot. Okay, now that we've gotten that out of the way. So back to Il Duce. We, I love to talk about Il Duce because everybody made Il Duce out to look like he was some sort of a genius. Well, he's not. Now, rather than take something from Fox News reporting, I I read some articles on NBC News. Now, NBC is the mainstream media, so you'd expect favorable treatment for the governor from this site. But let's see the facts as it's being reported. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo and his administration faced a barrage of criticism in the wake of a report from his own state attorney general claiming that the state had undercounted COVID-19 nursing home deaths by as much as 50%. Now, here's how. The state's public death toll for nursing homes does not include residents who died from the coronavirus after having been transferred to hospitals from the nursing home, only the deaths that occurred at the facilities. Attorney General Letitia James' report explained that, examined 62 nursing homes, about 10% of the state's total, and found that New York's approach left a large number of hospital deaths out of the state's official nursing home death toll. Now, you can see why uh, someone might not see a problem with that. I do, and I'm going to get into this in detail, which is why I cover these stories. The state's going to argue that, or at least the governor will argue, well, that these people really didn't die in a nursing home, so how can you count them as nursing home deaths? But I'm going to get more on that in, in a minute. Let's read a little further. Advocates, researchers, and lawmakers from both parties have campaigned for months for the Cuomo administration to disclose the full number of deaths associated with long-term care facilities. State Senate Minority Leader Robert Ort, a Republican, accused the administration of concealing the deadly impact of the virus. This was a deliberate attempt to mislead the public and the state of New York, who called for the state's health commissioner, Dr. Howard Zucker, to resign. Why did it take the top prosecutor in the state of New York to get this? Cuomo, Democrat, did not immediately comment. Zucker denied that the state had undercounted nursing home deaths, saying the state had always made it clear that its data included only deaths that occurred at facilities not outside them. The word undercount implies that there are more total fatalities than have been reported. That is factually wrong, Zucker said. Now that's true. The state is not underreporting the total number of deaths. Referring to the state health site, the Department of Health has consistently made clear that our numbers are reported based on the place of death. Now, I don't have to go any further into this. Let me explain why this is uh, disingenuous. It is true that if a person dies in a hospital, he obviously didn't die in a nursing home, or she didn't die in a nursing home. But that's not the heart of the matter here. The heart of the matter is, as I've said many times, nursing homes are not hospitals. They are not equipped to deal with a contagion like this. And these patients never should have been sent there in the first place. Now, if someone was a nursing home resident and had just gotten it because a visitor came in or a staff member brought it in and they were transferred to a hospital, I don't see how you could fault the nursing home or anybody else for that matter. However, when you've got an idiot in the governor's mansion, who, when he has a 3,000-bed hospital that the U.S. Army set up for him in the Javits Center at the behest of President Trump, for the sole purpose of handling COVID patients, and when that same president sends you a ship that's capable of handling 1,000 more people and you cry on his shoulder that that ship also be converted to COVID-only patients, so you have a 4,000-patient capacity at your disposable, only a lunatic or a dunce would send COVID-19-infected patients into a nursing home, which by definition is populated by people most at risk for contracting it that's what he did. So the attorney general is absolutely correct when she investigates this because, and the critics are correct for calling the governor to task because while it was true that those people did not die in nursing homes and died in facilities outside the nursing homes, such as hospitals, the fact of the matter is, They contracted that infection while in residence at a nursing home, and they would not otherwise have contracted it had not Il Duce sent COVID-19 infected patients to the nursing homes in the first place. I told you of a nursing home in Rensselaer County that was county owned, where the county executive, knowing how vindictive Il Duce could be, quietly declined to accept any COVID-19 patients. He told the staff that we're not taking any. They had no COVID-19 deaths, which undercuts Benito Cuomo's argument that it wasn't the COVID-19 patients that he sent there that caused the infection, but rather it was the staff that brought it in. Well, did the nursing home in Rensselaer County operate without any staff? They had staff. No one got it. So there's definitely meat on the bone here, and I think that Governor Cuomo is going to have a lot to answer for. See, this is what politicians do. They play, well, we didn't undercount anything. No, there is a definite, there's a definite uh, negligence here. These people never should have been sent here. In this case, because of the nursing home environment, the place of infection is just as important as the place of death. You're not going to get out of this one, Il I'm afraid you may wind up being hung from your heels like your namesake namesake Benito Mussolini was. So that's the story with our beloved Il Duce. Let's go on with the article just a little bit to cover a little more points here. Um, It is critical Senator Gustavo Rivera, a Democrat and chair of the Health Committee, said in a statement that James's findings were disturbing but that I am sadly unsurprised by them. It is critical that the Cuomo administration finally releases accurate data on nursing home deaths, which my colleagues and I have been requesting for months. So now you have Democrat representatives asking Cuomo and putting the pressure on Cuomo. New York's approach to counting nursing home deaths, quote, totally masked the true death rate and the impact said David Grabowski, a Harvard University professor and healthcare policy expert, who said such data could have helped direct resources to troubled facilities and assist policymakers in determining what went wrong. And that's right. That's exactly right, because that Harvard professor is operating along the lines of the argument that I just advanced, that in this case, in fashioning public policy, as to whether it was a good idea to send nursing homes, uh, COVID-19 infected patients, and most people with common sense know it's not a good idea. Knowing where they were infected, not just where they died, would be very instructive in this case. And now we're getting to the bottom of it. Now, in a collateral issue dealing with COVID, we have something very, very major, and this is big, and it's not being reported very heavily. It's been reported, but they're not really harping on it. And you need to know this. I have said, since they came out with vaccines, once vaccines were developed, that they were going to do everything in their power to force you to take these vaccines. They weren't going to actually go forward with a government mandate that you take the vaccines regardless of your situation. But I predicted they would qualify certain things that we do in our lives, their ability to regulate air travel and common carrier travel and other things would allow them the legal gymnastics to compel you. For instance, they could say to you, you want to take the vaccine? That's fine. You could sit home, not take the vaccine. Oh, you plan on flying someplace? Sorry. We regulate air travel. You can't board a plane unless you're COVID-19 vaccinated and can prove it. You Want to get on a cruise ship? Nope. Not unless you're COVID-19 vaccinated and prove it. Want to get on Amtrak? Sorry. COVID-19 vaccination only, and then they'll expand that to every limit. They can't want to enter a government building to uh, file your taxes. No, sorry, if you're not COVID-19 vaccinated. So they're going to almost intimidate you into getting the vaccine. But what if it could be proven that the vaccines are not a panacea? This is taking away nothing from Pfizer's very, very good effort to develop a vaccine and the other company that developed the vaccine, And this is taking nothing away from President Trump and his uh, medical staff and his desire to develop a vaccine. It's a good move to develop a vaccine. We have vaccines for flu. They're not always 100 percent accurate, but we have vaccines. Well, what if, though, despite best efforts, even having developed a vaccine, evidence emerges that the immune response to the vaccine is not what it should be? Well, that undercuts the ability of the government to mandate you and force you to take the vaccine. What's the big deal with taking something? How can they force you to take something that isn't effectual? And now we're learning that the older you are, if you're above 65, the people who are most in need of it, that the vaccine is not all that effective. Well, there's a big pharmaceutical company, because Pfizer is not the only one, called Merck. They used to be called Merck, Sharp, and Dome after a merger that took place many years ago. In fact, they're still called Merck Sharp and Dome outside of the United States. Merck is a big pharmaceutical company. Big. It's not a fly-by-night organization. When I was a young young lad working as a clerk in the neighborhood drugstore, I became familiar with all of these brands: Smith, Klein and French, Merck Sharp and Dome, Pfizer, Eli Lilly. These are big names. Big names in pharmaceuticals. Well, Merck was working on developing two COVID vaccines. This past Monday, Merck announced that it would stop developing both of the current formulations of the COVID-19 vaccines the company was working on. The reason? Inadequate immune responses to the shots. Work will continue on at least one of the vaccines, which is being developed in partnership with the International AIDS Vaccine Initiative to see if using a different route of administration would improve how effective it is, but they are abandoning as their main object uh, their main method of combating the COVID-19 development of a vaccination. The announcement marks a shocking setback for one of the most storied vaccine makers and will raise tensions around readouts expected soon from other companies, including Johnson and Johnson and this new upstart Novavax. This is from an article uh, in stat news It's a medical site. Merck said it remains committed to research on COVID-19 and will focus instead on two treatments it's developing. one is an antiviral medicine against SARS-COV2, the virus that causes the disease, and the other is a medicine aimed at helping hospitalized patients by reducing the immune system's overresponse to the virus and it is already shown promise in clinical studies." You see, what Merck has come to the conclusion of is they think whatever the characteristics are of this particular virus, the normal response that people might get uh, to a vaccine is not happening here. It's helping, but it's not as efficacious as they would like it to be. They have now come to the conclusion that a better way of doing this is to allow people to get the disease but develop therapeutic medications that mitigate the severity of that disease once people have contracted it. This was the course of therapy that was used with President Trump. President Trump would be a classic example of someone who might be moderately at risk. He's in very good health, but he was 74 years old at the time he contracted it. So he was in the at-risk group by virtue of his age. Yet, President Trump was out of the hospital in three days because he had therapeutics developed by Regeneron and other pharmaceutical companies. And I can see why there's logic to this argument. Why go through the trouble of developing a vaccine that has a recovery rate of better than 99%? Even in people who are senior citizens, the recovery rate is over 94.5%. 95% or better in some cases, people are saying. So there's no real urgency to develop a vaccine that really isn't all that lethal. Everyone that has died that I'm not look, I'm not trying to discount people's pain. I'm not trying to minimize people's losses and that people have lost their lives due to COVID, but what I am telling you is when you've got this many people who have tested positive. I think it's now we're up to 12 or 15 million people in the United States. Those are only the people who tested positive because they felt sick and they went and got tested. of the people are completely asymptomatic. That means if you use the statistical analysis that the CDC has used, you've got maybe 125 million people or more in this country who have actually been infected by COVID-19. We're over a third of the country that's had this. And you got 315,000 deaths. That's not a hell of a lot when you've got 125 million people infected. Certainly not enough to justify this upheaval in our day-to-day lives, and the bankrupting of individuals and the crashing of economy and crippling of businesses. You just can't justify it. Nick uh, Kartsonis, the Senior Vice President for Infectious Disease and Vaccines at Merck Research Laboratory, said in a recent interview, we're disappointed by this result, but it also allows us to continue to focus on our therapeutic candidates and move those forward. As you know, we are open to continue the work to see if we can address the pandemic in any way we can add value. The results from a phase one trial br- uh, described briefly in Merck's press, relief were, uh, press release were resoundingly disappointing. The hope was that Merck's vaccines, which were unique because they used viruses that could replicate once they were in the body, would be long lasting, one dose vaccines. The virus used for the vaccine being developed with the IAV1 is the one used in Merck's successful vaccine against Ebola. The other vaccine uses measles virus, a type of vaccine Merck has manufactured for decades. Both how vaccines, however, produce lower levels of antibodies against the SARS-CoV, including binding antibodies and neutralizing antibodies than is seen in the blood of individuals who have recovered from COVID-19. Cartsonis said it was difficult to compare results from different studies because researchers have used different assays to measure antibody levels, but it appears that neither vaccine performed as well as the Pfizer vaccine or the Moderna vaccine. Those vaccines produced very different results than the Merck vaccine, which they abandoned. Those vaccines produced antibody levels several times higher than the typical levels that are seen in people who have been infected with COVID-19 and recovered from it. Uh, there's another vaccine out there made by AstraZeneca and Oxford. Uh, that vaccine led to antibody levels that are more or less on a par with those found in people who have recovered from COVID-19. Now, I, I mention all of this because it's just interesting to show how when people are, are struck with fear, people, uh, fear drives people to pursue different directions. Sometimes uh, there aren't ultimate solutions to problems. There are only approaches. And this difficulty that Merck is encountering may be indicative that the approach of trying to beat COVID-19 exclusively through vaccines, uh, or primarily even through vaccines, might not be the way to go. Now, Merck has said that there may be reasons why their vaccines underperform because one of the things that can affect how effective a vaccine works is the method of introduction into the system. These were done uh, primarily as intramuscular uh, injections, and that may be the problem. Whereas, you know, they need to get to certain receptors in the body and an introduc- um, intramuscular injection might not be uh, the best way to do it. Uh, an oral Uh, taking of the vaccine or an intranasal, intranasal administration might work better. But it does goes to show that there are more than one way to skin a cat. And it seems like when you have, to me, a virus, as I explained earlier, isn't all that lethal, if you're a person that's in relatively good health, and doesn't even have to be lethal after you become infected with it, provided there are adequate therapeutics provided in a timely fashion. The better way might be to simply let people get it, treat them with the therapeutics, in which case they have a very, very short uh, period uh, where they're ill. And again, I keep going back to President Trump. Here's a man who was 74 years old. He was certainly within the high risk group by virtue of his age, but he's in very, very good health. Otherwise, a very high energy level for a man his age. And yet he was in and out of the hospital in about three days, and he didn't look any worse the wear uh, for having had the COVID. And then you have Dr. Fauci out there uh, coming up with all kinds of information. He was the guy that last March was saying that the, the mask wasn't all that. Now, because he's got Sleepy Joe in there, He wants everybody to wear a mask. The mask is not a panacea. The bottom line is we've been living like this, like like animals, uh, forced to coop up uh, for a large portion of the day in places when we didn't need to, seeing our businesses destroyed. New York City, to me, was a great town. Between the incompetence of the administration of of the current mayor, Bill de Blasio, and the benighted governor, Il Duce, Benito Cuomo, We've seen New York City slip into almost bordering on a third world status. Bums are all over. And that's what they are. You call them the homeless if you want. I call them bums. Begging on every corner in midtown Manhattan. Restaurants closing up every day, never to return. Several in my neighborhood I watched the other day go out. They're not going to come back. What is there to come back to? What is the purpose of beating this virus if there's nothing to come back to? In light of Merck's experience, can't we at least agree that it might have been a better way to let those of us who were healthy, who had less than a 6% chance, less than, when well, I should even, I have less than 6% chance, the recovery rate is 99% uh, and better for people who are healthy and not at risk. Of all the deaths we've had, only about 6% have been of people who were in good health. Wouldn't have been a better way to go to let those of us who were healthy go out and get it? Treat us with therapeutics so that there were few of us around to infect those who were really at risk among us? I have spent very little time visiting my mother, who is 85 years old, because of this infection, because I don't want to give it to her, because she is someone who is at risk she has a number of health problems and she's in advanced age wouldn't it have been better if i had just been able to go out and get it recover from it have antibodies and therefore be incapable of giving it to her am i supposed to stay away from her in perpetuity these are the questions that are not being answered these are the questions they don't want to answer they just want everybody to get the vaccine and I hate to say it, but it seems almost as if it's being done not because it's the most expeditious way of treating this virus, but because it's a very expeditious way for certain people in certain positions to make a lot of money. And as the saying goes, you want the answer to a problem, you want the answer to a question, follow the money. That'll give you the reason. For National Preview Online, I'm Jamie Dury.